Tonight's scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good evening. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Grace Downtown, and we're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us tonight. As Dan just read for us, we are continuing in our series where we are covering just a few chapters in the book of John, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, that area. We're talking about the words of Jesus, the things that he said to his disciples, the things that he prayed for his disciples and us before he walked to the cross. And all of it is under the title of greater things. We see Jesus say that um, by obeying his commands, by having his spirit, by his work on the cross, we can see and do greater things than what we see with our eyes or than we can do with our own effort. So in just a moment, we'll jump into that. Exactly where you found the lyrics, you will also find an outline, the outline I'm going off of tonight. Also, the verses we'll cover. You can click on those. All the verses I reference will be right there if you go to Grace B3 or if you pull up our app, which is also entitled Grace B3. Um, we are going to have a baptism tonight, hence the, the black box over here. People have been using the word, you got an actual baptism, um, because we've been using kind of kiddie pools and things like this. This is an actual baptistry that we're excited to have that's easy to set up, because Lord willing, we are going to see lots of people be baptized over the next few years. Before I jump into the sermon, I want to give you a few brief kind of updates and announcements so that we can um, skip that at the end of the service. Um, The next couple of weeks, we are going to continue to be outside. Uh, Right now, we have just been so blessed with great weather, but um, it's going to get dark and cold soon. And so uh, we're going to move back inside in November. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But the next couple of weeks, it's going to start getting cold and it's going to start getting dark. But we feel like it's still the best thing to stay outside. And so we're going to make the best of it. And we're also going to make it fun. So next week is tailgate party. So we feel like the most sanitary thing is if you bring your own food or your own warm beverages or whatever you want to bring, but we are going to be sporting our favorite sports teams. So whatever sport you want to represent, whatever team or town or city you want to represent, um, we are going to sport our uh, sports gear next week. So you'll see lots of Kansas City up in here uh, on this pastor. But uh, whatever team suits your fancy, wear it next week. Feel free to bring some food, bring some drinks, come early, stay late, whatever you would like to do. And we are also, as you see, we're adding more lights each week. That's not just to look cool. We're actually going to need them soon. So uh, then the last week in October, we are going to uh, have a harvest party. So we'll have some hay bales to sit on and some um, cool, fun things to do as well. So you'll hear more about that next week. Then in November, we're going to move back in the building. 
When we move back in the building, a few details, just so you know, there's going to be a video going out on social media soon about this, but, uh, and you can also see this on the website, but just so you know, in November, we'll move back in the building. Um, and as we move back inside, we will have social distance seating. We'll have different seating areas based on your name tag preference. We'll continue to do the colored name tags. We'll have seating sections for each kind of different color so you can maintain social distancing. We'll be following the county mandate for masks. So we want to ask you to wear a face covering or mask of some kind. And right now we are working on having childcare for two years old and younger. It's so very hard um, as so many parents can attest to to keep track of those little ones and really pay attention and be edified by the sermon. And so we are working on childcare for two years and under, and we'll keep evaluating and adding childcare as we can. For now, that's the best we can do at this point. That's the, the only way we can guarantee kind of safety and social distancing, and it will be very helpful to parents if we can provide that for two and under. So that's the plan right now as we move back into the building. No need to RSVP or anything like that. Uh, we feel like we can socially distance up to the amount of people we normally have for attendance. So uh, next couple weeks outside, then in November, we'll hit daylight savings times and pretty much guaranteed cold, so we'll move into the building. If you'd like more information about that or about how to get connected at Grace, check out that website again, Grace B3 or the Grace B3 app and click on the connect tab and you'll find all the information you're looking for on how to get connected. So um, check those out or just let us know um, if you have questions about how to get connected here at Grace. Why don't I pray for us and we'll jump into the scripture tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. God, we are in need of a word from you. We are in need of hearing your voice tonight and in our lives. And Father, we pray that you would speak a very specific word to us tonight. God, we thank you that you um, tell us that your word is living and active, that it does the work it sets out to do, that it pierces and even separates joint and marrow. It, It does a work. It knows us. It's used by you. It's your truth. Spirit, we want to hear from you. This passage calls the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Jesus, we need to hear truth from you tonight. Father, glorify yourself through the things that we learn and apply to our lives, the things that we believe. God, would you do a work here tonight? Help us to focus on what you would have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever felt like what you're being asked to do is impossible for you to accomplish? Maybe it's been in the year of 2020 and the thing that you're asked to do for your school or for your work or for your family, it just seems impossible. How am I supposed to accomplish what I'm being asked to do by my superiors or my teachers or my students or whoever the case may be? Often when we look at a job that we're being asked to do and it seems impossible or it seems insurmountable, the odds against us, often it's because we don't have the tools we need. We don't have the tools that we need to accomplish the task that we're setting out to do. A very vivid example, kind of a one-off event uh, that happened in my life was my wife and I had been dating for a little while, maybe just married. I'm not quite sure. It's been a few years now, but we were at her family farm and uh, it was a windy day, kind of like today, actually, but a little bit cooler. 
I think it was late fall. And um, my father-in-law and I were working around on the farm. If you don't know my story, I'm not from a farm. I don't know a grain silo from a missile silo. So I don't know what I'm doing. And my father-in-law, on this windy day, hands me a piece of bailing wire, just a long piece of metal wire, and he says, hey, the, the lid on this grain silo, it's not staying done. I need you to take this bailing water, wire, wire up and I quote, rig something up. He wanted me to take the wire. He didn't give me any tools. He just said, go rig something up. So I head up the ladder. I get on top of this grain bin and it's windy. And I just very quickly wrapped it around something, tied it like I tie a sneaker and called it good and ran back down. I felt very inadequate for the job that I had been given to do. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have what I need. Often the things we don't have are tools, expertise, knowledge, experiences, or the circumstances are just too difficult. We don't know how to accomplish what we need to accomplish, or we don't have the tools that we need. When it comes to following Jesus, Jesus tells us that following him looks like loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it looks like loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. At this church, our vision for what the church looks like is to glorify God by being and making disciples. This series is entitled Greater Things. We want to do greater things for the kingdom. But here's something that we must realize before we go any further through this series, through this passage, or as a church. Everything that I just listed off that we're called to do as disciples or as a part of Grace Community Church or what we're trying to get out of this series, all of those things are impossible. We cannot do them in and of ourselves. We are utterly ill-equipped to do the things that we feel called to do by our church, by our Savior, by God's Word, and this series. All of these things that I just listed off are relational. There's relational components. It's about our love for God and our love for others and our love for the world. All of those things are relational, but here's the problem. Because of what we have done and because of what has been done to us, our relationships are broken. Just like my father-in-law sending me up there on that grain bin saying, rig something up. When we hear these words of Jesus or when we hear the vision for our church or when we hear the title of this series or often when we read the words of Jesus, we say, I don't know what I'm doing. Or I've tried that and I, I can't. Or I know what I'm supposed to do, but I, I don't know how to get there. Or I've tried and failed over and over and over again and we want to give up. God desires to be known for us to know him and for us to be known by others. But due to the fall, our stories, the things we've done, the things done to us, we often desire not to be known by God and others. Professor Royce Greenler says, we desire to be hidden and private because of the fall rather than social and responsive. Due to the fall, we desire to be hidden in private, but the Great Commission and following Jesus entails being social and responsive to others. We need God's help to love God, 
to receive love from him, to love others, to share the good news with the world, we need his help. We need his power. We need the tools that only he can provide. So what has he provided for us? That's what this passage in John 14 is all about. If you haven't turned there, please turn with me to John 14, verses 15 through 31. In this passage, we will see the tools that God has given us. We will see where the power to do greater things comes from. And ultimately, we will answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? So I want to start off by asking, who is the Holy Spirit? As I ask that question, a lot of things may come into your mind. Maybe it's something that you haven't considered. Maybe this term Holy Spirit, maybe it's a word you've heard, maybe you haven't, but maybe you've just never considered who is the Holy Spirit. Or maybe as I say, who is the Holy Spirit? You say, oh no, things are about to get weird. Or maybe you're filled with guilt and shame because you feel like, oh man, I never think about the Holy Spirit, or I don't read about the Holy Spirit, or I don't, I don't pray to the Holy Spirit. I I don't even, I, I know that I need to address something here. Or maybe you say, here we go again. I know what's coming. Whatever your response is, Jesus here is going to lay out for us who the Holy Spirit is. And tonight we really hope to cover four things. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Why does it matter? And what do we do as a response to this? So as we walk through the scripture, we're going to answer the first two questions. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? So verse 15. We'll walk through it here and see who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Verse 15, if then you love me, you will keep my commandments. Here Jesus is saying that if we are in a relationship with him, we will keep his commandments. Love is foundational to every relationship, whether it's human or otherwise. And Jesus is saying is if you say you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will keep my commandments. Following commandments is part of any religion or belief system. It's part of the deal. It's part of any faith makeup. However, Christianity is different. Christianity is different. The difference is Jesus gives us his love. He shows us what love looks like and then says in the context of a loving relationship, here's how you then follow me. Here's how you obey my commandments. D.A. Carson, in in his commentary on this passage, says that Jesus is laying out for us the factors of an essential relationship, the essential characteristics of a loving relationship, instead of laying out for us legal conditions. Jesus is not saying, if you obey my commands, I will love you. He's not saying you have to earn my love by obeying my commands. He's saying, I have loved you. And if you say you love me too, then you will follow my commandments. It's an essential part of a loving, safe, healthy relationship. But to do this, we need grace and we need help, which we find in verse 16. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus is saying a couple of things here. He's saying, if you love me, 
based on the love that I have for you, based on what I have done for you, based on my sacrificial love, if you love me, you obey my commands, but it's based on my love and I'm going to give you help. It's what he calls the Holy Spirit. He's talking about of the Holy Spirit and he says, I'm going to send you a helper. So he's going to help us. There are three common words used either in the original Greek New Testament or in our English translation uh, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. We often see the word helper. We see the word advocate. And we see the word counselor. Helper, advocate, and counselor. This word counselor is probably the closest English translation of this word that we are seeing translated here, helper. When we think about counselor, though, we should not think of a marriage counselor. We should not think of a therapist. We should not think of a guidance counselor from elementary school. We should not think of something helpful like a pick-me-up, like caffeine or something like that. But what we should think about is a legal counsel. Someone who comes alongside of you, particularly in times of trouble, and helps you sort through your legal issues. That's what this word counselor that's being used here, that Jesus is using. He's saying, I'm going to give you a helper that's going to help you with these commandments, which is what he just called them. He's going to give us a helper. And he says here in verse 16, I'm going to give you another helper. What does he mean by another helper? Well, Jesus has been the helper, advocate, counselor for his disciples. He has been the one teaching them about God's commands. He has been the one helping them. He has been the one showing them the power and the beauty of who God is. And now he says, I'm going to send you another helper because he is going away. We know that because he's starting to lay out that he is headed towards the cross. He is going to be put to death for your and my sins. He's going to rise again and then he's going to go to be with the father. And he says, when that happens, I'm going to send you another helper, someone that will continue to help you. And he calls this the spirit of truth. So it's a counselor, but it's also the spirit of truth. This spirit of truth comes and shows us the truth of who God is and the truth of what Jesus has done for us. We call, we're calling this series Greater Things, and we covered that in our passage last week about what it looks like to experience greater things as the spirit comes and dwells inside of us. That's where our power comes from to love God and obey his commands. That's where the power comes from to love others. So this spirit, this helper, this counselor is coming to us and is helping us accomplish these greater things. It's even coming and showing us what greater things are because a lot of times we don't even know what is important or what we should be valuing. And this spirit is going to be indwelling. Look at that last phrase in verse 17. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's saying this other helper, this other helper is a little different than me. It's still Father, Son, and Spirit, all one. But this Spirit is actually going to come and dwell inside of you. Not just come and live with you, 
That's the language in John chapter one that John uses that wrote this gospel of John. He says that Jesus came and he pitched his tents among us. Well, Jesus is changing the language here and he's saying this Holy Spirit is going to come and pitch a tent, not in our neighborhood, but in our heart. The spirit of the living God coming and being a helper, advocate, counselor in our very life. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. When Jesus dies on the cross, the disciples and Jesus's family will feel alone. When Jesus ascends to be with the father, the disciples will feel alone. When do you feel alone? When do you feel as if there's no power in your relationship with God? When do you feel like God does not see, God does not know, God does not care, or God does not have the power to change things? When do you feel alone? Jesus had a word for his disciples and he has a word for us. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not just going to peace out and bail on you. I'm going to send my spirit to live in you. And then we'll get to this in John 17. He actually says to them, I'm going to send my spirit and he is going to continue to teach you the things that I've taught you. And he tells them, it's better that I go and I send my spirit. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will adopt you into my family. There's two different kinds of adoption when we use the word adoption, right? So there's one kind of adoption, an adoption like Operation Christmas Child or Compassion International. So at Christmas time, we'll do this at Grace Downtown where we send off shoeboxes full of toys that go to kids at Christmas and you, you can find out where your box went. And that's adopting a child for Christmas because you're going to send them a gift. Or Compassion International. Compassion, you sponsor a child, you adopt a child that you send money and it pays for their education, their food, their clothing, and that's your child. You get a picture of them and you put them on the fridge. That's different than adopting a child into your family and giving them your name. Jesus is saying, I will not leave you as orphans. I will adopt you into my family and I will give you a new name. It's personal. It's not far off. He's not saying, I'm going to ascend to heaven and I'll send you my $38 a month to keep you going. He says, I'm going to send my spirit to live within you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. As a Christ follower, you have something that the world does not. You have an unseen power to do and experience greater things than this world and the flesh have to offer. Jesus closes this section by saying, because I live, you live. Because I have resurrection power, you will have resurrection power. And Romans tells us that the same spirit that rose him from the grave now lives in us. 
That's what he's talking about here. Because I live, you live. Now we come to verse 20. Before we read verse 20, I want to tell you about a place in southern Iowa. It's in near Kiyosakwa, Iowa. It's at a, a state park. My family and I camped there this summer. It's a beautiful, beautiful state park. Um, very amazing forest, hills. There's just every kind of landscape um, at this state park. There's one particular place where you kind of go from the top of the park down to this valley near the river to the bottom of the park. And to get there, you have to do these kind of switchbacks. If you've been on a mountain road before, there's these kind of switchbacks where you're going back and forth because going straight down, it's too big of a hill. So you're, you're going back and forth and back and forth. And if you've been through the Smoky Mountains or if you've been in the Pacific Northwest or if you've been in the, the Rocky Mountains, you, maybe you've been on a road like this where you're doing switchbacks or you're going around and around because the altitude's too big. And so you're doing this back and forth. And eventually you're like, oh, wow, we have been either descending or ascending for a long time now. When you're on this road in Kiyosakwa, Iowa, you could believe, especially that you're in the Smoky Mountains. It looks very much like the Smoky Mountains. But when you get to the bottom or the top and you look back, you're like, oh, I've come a long way. But no mountains. You don't get that mountain view. If you've been to Colorado and the Rockies or if you've been to the Smoky Mountains and you've done this sort of thing and then you come around a bend and you realize wow, I am in the mountaintops. I can see this beautiful landscape of mountains and all of a sudden there's snow. I must have been climbing up. There's this kind of palatial nature to it. You don't get that in Kiyosaka, Iowa, as beautiful as it may be. But you get that as you drive through the actual mountains. This passage has a lot of good things in it and it's telling us who the Holy Spirit is and what it does. But this... This is the mountaintop. This is what we came for. This is what Jesus is trying to say right here in verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. In that day when he ascends to go to be with the Father and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within those that follow Christ whose sins have been forgiven, he says, in that day, you will know that I'm in my Father and you in me and I in you. So Father, Son, and Spirit, one, three in one, have been in relationship with one another since the very beginning, all involved in creation, all involved in the history of mankind, all involved in the writing of scripture, all involved in the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the Father, Son, and Spirit in relationship with one another for all of eternity. Here, Jesus is saying, you've been adopted into that family. You've been adopted into this family, Father, Son, and Spirit, that has been here from the beginning and perfectly loves one another at all times. He is making an incredible invitation and claim here that we would be invited into the greatest, most majestic, most loving, most gracious, most powerful relationship that has ever existed and will ever exist, and we are invited into it in a very intimate way. 
the spirit actually coming and living inside of us. Look at Jesus's language here. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you because of the spirits in dwelling. Part of being made in the image of God is that we are made for this relationship and no other earthly relationship can hold a candle to this relationship. All other earthly relationships will disappoint you, will disappoint me. We will disappoint others, but this relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit is the relationship that you are made for. Every time you experience hurt in a relationship, it's a reminder you're made for this relationship. Anytime you enjoy a great meal with people that you love, it's a reminder that you are made for this relationships. Desiring to communicate just the right thing to someone you love but not being able to is a reminder that you are made for relationship with your God. All of these things point to the relationship of the Father, Son, and Spirit that Jesus is inviting us into. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. This is what we want. This is what everyone wants. They want a manifestation of God. Whether you call yourself a re- religious or not, everyone wants a manifestation of God. However, some have given up that it's ever going to happen. Some are too mesmerized by the creation to think that they need a creator. Some think that they have seen a manifestation of God, but they actually have not. All religions, all people want to experience a manifestation of God, but only Jesus can offer this manifestation of God because he is God. He lived and he died for his people. And here we are seeing him walk through this moment of his glorification and this manifestation of who God is in his betrayal, in his arrest, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, in his indwelling spirit, we see the manifestation of God. And by seeing this manifestation of God, we see the love that God has for us. And then we love him and we obey his commands. And then we see his love manifested in our lives. That's what he's talking about. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this manifestation because he always did the will of the Father. Look here at verse 22 at one of his disciples' questions. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So how will the love of God be made manifest in our life? By doing the will of the Father. And Jesus always did the will of the Father. Always obedient, always sacrificial, following the will of the Father. Loving those whom the Father had given him to love. You and I will manifest the love of God and the Father's glory 
through that same kind of obedience and sacrifice. Remember back to verse 15. If then you love me, you will keep my commandments. We manifest the love of God and we remind ourselves and others of the love God has for us when we obey his commands. When we live sacrificially in community, when we obey him, when it costs us something, when we lay down our rights for the sake of another, when we look not only to our own interests, but the interests of others, when we sacrifice for the good of someone else, we manifest the glory and love of God. And we do this through the spirit's power, the spirit of the living God living inside of us. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This indwelling here, Holy Spirit, will teach you all the things that you need to know. In John 14, this chapter that we're in last week, we looked at John 14, 6, famous passage. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is talking about, he is the way to God, but he is also talking about, I am the way of God. I am showing you God's way. I am showing you God's ways as I act, as I love, as I, I obey, as I teach, as I interact with community. Jesus says the spirit will teach us, will continue to teach us all things and then will bring to remembrance all that I have said. And we see this come true in the book of Acts, don't we? As the disciples are persecuted, as they're scattered, as the people are being added to the church, the disciples stand before large groups of people and they call to mind, they remember the things that Jesus spoke to them because the spirit is speaking to them. The spirit is doing exactly what Jesus says it will do. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says, I'm leaving you peace. I'm leaving you the peace that you need for your troubled hearts. I'm leaving you the peace that you need because your circumstances are actually about to get a lot harder. I'm offering you this promised Holy Spirit, but it's not going to be an easy road and you're going to need peace. And he says, I give peace, not like the world gives. So we need to take a moment here and think about how does the world give peace? There's three primary ways that I want to make note of here. How does the world give peace? First, the world gives peace insincerely. The world offers peace, but it is not a sincere offer of peace. It is not meant ultimately for our good. It's selling us something. The world offers peace insincerely. The second thing is the world offers peace impotently. Impotently. It's not actually capable of offering the peace that it offers. It's full of empty promises. It says it will give peace, but actually it gives pleasure. It says it will give peace, but actually it gives shame. It says it will give joy, but it gives temporary happiness. The world gives peace impotently. And lastly, the world gives peace conditionally. It's a transaction. The things of this world, the people of this world, our flesh, we offer peace if there's something in it for us. So the world offers peace insincerely, impotently, and conditionally. 
here Jesus is saying is, I give you peace that will last. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You know what's different about Jesus' peace? He offers his presence. And where the presence of God is, there is peace. We're going to skip ahead here to why does it matter? Why does it matter? We've taken a look at who the Holy Spirit is. We've taken a look at what the Holy Spirit does. Now, why does it matter for our life? Number one, why does it matter? We need a family. We need a family. Your earthly family is broken. Even if I don't know your story, I can say confidently that your family is broken. Because mine is. And one of the main reasons my family is broken is because I'm in my family. There's sin, there's suffering, there's brokenness, there's unmet expectations, there's not always love for God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We don't always love our neighbor as ourselves. So our families are broken. We need a new family. We need to be adopted into his family. We need the glory of the Father. We need the grace of the Son. We need the power of the Spirit. We need the glory of God, the unconditional love of Christ. We need the peace that the Spirit brings. We need a new family. And here Jesus offers us a new way to be in family, a new way to love, a new way to interact with God and others. We need a new family. That's why it's important that we know what Jesus is teaching us here. Next, we need power. We need a power that we do not have. We don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes. We need power. We need wisdom. We need tools we don't have. We need patience we don't have. We need love we don't have. We need joy that we can't find anywhere. We need power. If there's one thing 2020 has taught us, sometimes just normal stuff in life is hard. Going to the grocery store, hard. Going to school, hard. Going to work, hard. Going to church, It's taught us that things are hard. We try to do so many things in life out of our own strength and we can fake it till we make it, but we need a power we do not have. Let alone doing greater things for God or making disciples or overcoming something in our life, we need the power of God for everything. And lastly, why does it matter? We need to remember how quickly we forget the grace of God and the good news of the gospel. How quickly we forget, how quickly we lose sight of it. How quickly our own sin or other sin or even just irritations of the day take our minds off of what Christ has done for us. We need to remember it's a good thing we have a wonderful counselor that lives inside of us. It's a good thing that the spirit does not forget us when we forget him. It's a good thing that even though we forget about the Holy Spirit, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't read about the Holy Spirit. We feel weird if we mention the Holy Spirit. He's at work inside of us. 
and he's changing us and he's giving us peace and he's giving us joy and he's giving us patience that we otherwise would not have. I don't know about you, but I want to see more of that in my life. I want to be more aware of what the spirit of the living God is trying to do in my life. So what do we do? Four things. The first thing is we need to join the family. We need to make sure that we are a part of this family. We need to make sure that this loving heavenly father, sacrificial love of the son, this indwelling spirit is part of our story. That it's not this power that exists outside somewhere, but that we are a part of this family and the spirit of the living God lives inside of us. We need to join this family. And Jesus says, come. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He says, come, know my love. Know that I'm in the Father and he's in me and you're in me and the Spirit is in you. He says, come. Lay down your pride, lay down your sin, lay down your shame, lay down your excuses. Come, follow me. I want to take your sin upon myself and I want to give you my freedom, my forgiveness, my perfect righteousness. I want to clothe you with what only I can give you. Because I live, you live. Jesus offers us to come and join his family. Don't wait another minute to join his family. In this world, you will still have trouble, but you will be adopted into a family that will love you, that will give you power and peace that you will not find anywhere else. Join his family today by just saying, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your righteousness. I need to be in your family. Second, receive help. Receive help in your time of need. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, the spirit of truth. Receive his help. Stop trying to do it on your own. Either join the family to receive his help or tap into that spirit's power that already lives inside of you. Be aware of the spirit of the living God and what he is trying to do in your life day in and day out. We're about to hit starting next week in John chapter 15 and Jesus is going to get real explicit about what it looks like for us to be in him, abiding in him, producing fruit by obeying his commands, by his spirit being in us and us abiding in him, being in Christ. He's going to walk us through what that looks like. We need the help that Jesus offers us by his indwelling spirit. We need to remember what he has done for us. We need to remember that it's the spirit that does greater things in us not us doing greater things. This whole series is not entitled Greater Things to Pump You Up. It's not, you can do it. That's not the message of Jesus. That's not the message of this series. We're not here to say, you can do it. We're here to say, and Jesus is here to say, you can't do it. You need to stop trying to do it. And you need to let him do it. That's when you're going to experience greater things. It's by giving up. It's by trusting in his power. 
It's by remembering what he's done for you. Number three, what do you need to do? What do we need to do? We need to obey his commands. By the Spirit's power, obey his commands. We are saved by grace through faith. He has offered us his love, but when we obey his commands, his love is manifested in our lives. We're reminded of his love. We show others his love. We tap into the Spirit's power when we obey his commands. He has set a certain way for life to be. And when we obey his commands, we experience more of his love. We experience more of his protection. We experience more of his joy and his peace and his patience and his power in our lives. Obey his commands. I want to specifically encourage you to read 1 John. So we're going through the Gospel of John. John, the same disciple, John wrote three letters also. I want to encourage you to read 1 John. It's towards the back of your Bible. He walks through what it looks like to obey Jesus' commands because of the love that Christ has for us. He starts out by saying, This Jesus we saw with our own eyes. We saw him. We touched him. We know what his love is like. And then he lays out in 1 John what it looks like to live in that love. Lastly, be about the Father's business. We need to be about the Father's business. Jesus was always doing the will of the Father. And through his Spirit's power, we can live by the will of the Father. I'm going to read this quote, though it's a long one, because it's worth it. It's from Greenler that I quoted earlier. The future hope of the scriptures is what God has done in Christ. By the power of the Spirit, to redeem humankind and draw them back into fellowship with the divine community. When we are about the Father's business, we are reminded that we are a part of a divine community, Father, Son, and Spirit, and we have been adopted into a powerful, gracious, joy, and peace-filled family. Have you ever thought, I don't have what it takes? You're right, you don't. Your loving, heavenly Father does not just give you the tools you need. He doesn't just give you the tools you need to get the job done. He gives you himself. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this promise that we're reading about tonight. Thank you for your promise of your strength, of your power, of your joy. Father, we want to see your spirit work in our lives. God, we want to experience the indwelling spirit's power. God, we want to continue to see your spirit bring to mind the words of Christ, the words of scripture, the words that we've heard tonight as we go into this week. God, we pray that we would submit ourselves more and more to you and your spirit's power and not try to do it out of our own strength. God, speak very specifically to each one now that they would hear specifically from you. What do we need to know tonight? What do we need to remember? What do we need to do differently? Because of your word, because of what you've spoken here tonight. Thank you for the good news of the gospel, Jesus, and we want to be your good news people as we go out into the world this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.